everybody, welcome into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It is a Wednesday night. It's a Wednesday at the Woody, I think is how I'll decide to phrase it this week for some snap judgments. It's another way you could phrase it. Woody Wednesday. Let's do it. That's Bill Berm. I am Austin Ward. Uh, what did we learn? Ohio State's one day closer to playing the Spartans on the road. It's really teams come together. Yeah. You got to get on the bus together and have some good vibes. and First some... time in the history of the program that Ohio State's <laughs> going to play a road game. It's, um, it seems odd. Like we're making a huge, like not necessarily we, but the royal we asking a lot of questions about that because the schedule is pretty quirky. It's odd. I don't. I can't recall five straight home games going on the road for the first time in the second week of October. It is weird, but uh, this is not a team full of freshmen. They have played road games before, <laughs> but I guess that's what we ask about when we have to fill uh, column inches and <laughs> podcast uh, time. Uh, Luke Whipler, here's what I learned. Luke Whipler has a lovely singing voice. Really? Yeah, he walked out of that door over there. Uh-huh. He was singing uh, Bad at Love. That's a Halsey song. Am I right? Am yeah, I right it is. About that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. little falsetto. Okay. I didn't know he had it in him. Oh, I think Halsey's from Jersey. I believe that is correct. So they only, they only listen to local music. Maybe though. they're related. Luke Whipler also said he had some bad memories of going on the road to Michigan State because he scored in that game two years ago, but not for the Buckeyes. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that as well. I forgot a lot about the 2020 season and what happened at Michigan State. But to be fair, I was like to be th- fair, I was like 30 rows up in the stadium trying to shoot pictures. And I very specifically, <laughs> I very specifically remember um, walking around the bowl there and at one point falling because I had all my equipment and I was like landed on my elbow. That was painful. Uh, I think I got hit more that game than anyone on the Ohio State offense did. Um, and and that was actually you know, a game that. Michigan State going in, so didn't know what Ohio State was going to be. The Buckeyes were down three starting offensive linemen. I feel like this weekend should be a little bit less um, chaotic for the Buckeyes. Than yeah. That. Yeah. Several other people on this beat were like, what are you talking about? You scored. And he like, had to recount the memory. Yeah. I snapped it over Jack Miller's head 30 yards for a safety. <laughs> didn't turn out great. Um, so he has just a slight bit of uh, retribution on his mind that he Luke wants to Whipler go. Whipler revenge game. Yeah, it's a revenge oh, game. Who knew? All right. Um, and this offensive line, I think, is they take a challenge every single week. And for Luke Whipple, I think that's the edge that he's found. He, he's tried to, you know, they got several questions about, well, Michigan State's defense has struggled. Like, how do, they, how do you prepare for that knowing that they've had some ups and downs? He's like, well, I'm treating them like the 85 Bears. Mm. So I don't think that will be the case, but it's sort of, Luke Whipple is a fascinating person. I me. like the way he talks. Yeah. Yeah. The way, just the way, he, you know, turn a phrase of that guy is pretty good. Uh, this this offensive line is it is this ceiling the way they've played I guess I should say is the way they've played increase what you think their ceiling can be this year for either of you guys I don't think it's increased the ceiling I think what has changed for me is that uh, or has impressed me is how quickly they're getting close to that ceiling mm-hmm. as opposed to like when you look at just the pure athletic talent of Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones like those are rare offensive tackles and Ohio State has been sort of picked apart in the last five six years because despite having productive offensive lines they haven't been able to put out first round talent at tackle and that's sort of what opens eyes in the recruiting world they're gonna have at least one uh next April when with Paris Johnson and Bill and I were, we were talking about it as we watched Dewan Jones walk across the field after practice he came in pads off and just you know pants and an undershirt and wow that kid looks a lot different and, and we talked about it in preseason and you kind of it sounds like a joke oh we lost 10 pounds but like he looks different 
Mm-hmm. And when you see the way he's playing right now, I think he could be a first-round pick as well. And so you could potentially be having someone asked Paris, like, if someone was to compare you to um, Orlando Pace and Corey Stringer, which is obviously the best tackle tandem in Ohio State history for one year that they played together, like, these guys are elevating themselves. And I, I don't want to be, like, too, you know, recent bi- recency bias or whatever, but it seems like there's a upside that uh, and Whipler's played so good in the middle that I, I just think the whole line was amazing. Then Dewan got over here to the bench on my right and took that undershirt off and like nothing moved or changed. It wasn't uh it wasn't yeah. a bro situation. And I just walked, I was like, God damn, <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy body. Like, yeah, I mean that in like the nicest way I could possibly like the dude is Adam Levine oh, yeah. is watching yeah. us and just ready to send out a, a fire yeah. DM. With a, with Your Austin, body, Dewan. With an Austin Ward video in it. It's going to be great. Jeez. You're welcome, Maroon, Maroon 5. That's the clean version. Jeez. Yeah. He is, no, I don't I don't think uh, anyone has carried 360 pounds the way that, that Dewan Jones does. He's got, like, massive hands. He's got – I was listening to a, an NFL draft podcast. They were talking about him. He's got, like, an 11-foot wingspan, apparently, which I, I didn't know about him. I guess you could assume that. Looking at less than <laughs> yeah, he's just like from the from the measurables, like he checks every single box. But he put a concerted effort this off season into dropping that weight so that he could move better, um, be better against speedy pass rushers. And and probably Ryan Day alluded to this on Tuesday when he saw about Paris Johnson. They have bigger challenges to come for sure when it comes to facing premier pass rushers down the line. But to this point, I think you see Paris playing very well and Dewand. Um, excelling in the areas that he wanted to excel in based off the offseason work that he put in that was a reflection of what the NFL told him, which is like, you're not, if you want to come out, you'll be a fifth round pick. But if you do these things, maybe you could be a third, second round, or as Berm said, maybe even trend toward a first round. What I like is that neither one of them seemed content with where they are now. Paris made a a quick point as soon as he was asked about that comparison. I've only played five games of tackle. So like, they're not sitting there going, oh, you're right. I am the greatest thing that's been (laughs) in this locker room since 1995. Like, that's not the way it is. And Dewan just, just, to finish just that, seven or eight years yeah, before they were born. Just yeah. to, to finish the point on Dewan, like uh, his physical, his physical numbers, that size, and the way he moves, if he's able to acquit himself at all at the last half of the season against some good pass rushers, because he struggled pretty mightily last year against Michigan, um, and I think that was one of the impetuses for him to be like, "Oh, you need to come back." Like, I don't see how he's not a first-round pick. There's going to be an NFL team who's enamored by that size and athleticism. I think the question that you asked, Bill, I don't think that the ceiling has changed because I thought that could be something Ohio State could obtain if they were on the trajectory that we expected. I think that the floor has raised. Uh, that The week-in, week-out production, I think, is better than I thought it would be at this point. And I don't, because Donovan Jackson has been so good, because Matthew Jones, you don't see anything – any issues popping up and because there's not been because Dewan is better with the handling speed rush and all that we'll see those tests as we move forward you know Michigan State I don't know they've got they've got somebody who racked up some early sacks I don't know that that means that they have a great pass rush that's going to test it I was played good defense I think they're probably pretty equipped you know Penn State's always going to have some dudes up there for a battle in the trenches so the next couple weeks may tell us a lot more than the first five but um, maybe not Saturday that'll be a coin flip if that actually happens uh so C.J. Stroud didn't meet with the media tonight. He was scheduled to. No reason to look into it. I think probably he just didn't want to get some of the questions about not being perfect again. Um, yeah. So 
his receivers answered that for him. And they're like, yeah, like we feel like there's a lot more room to grow offensively in terms of the passing game. I think, I think there probably is. Um, one question was asked to, I think, Emeka Ibuka about getting the passing game back on track, <laughs> which um, didn't really register with me. Like, I don't, I don't think they're off track. Um, they threw the ball 22 times against, against Rutgers. I, I get it. 154 yards is, is not a lot for, for this particular offense. Um, I, I really think they're fine, and they're going to show everybody that they're fine on Saturday because, again, Michigan State's pass defense is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just- yeah. yeah, they're just like not equipped to stop Ohio State on the back end, but it can be it can be cleaner. I think there are there are things maybe CJ in particular can do to be a little more comfortable and patient in, in an offense that looks the way this one looks right now. But I also think too that how this offense looks right now is not necessarily how it's going to look in four or five weeks if Jackson Smith and Jigwood gets back into the fold. So I mean, maybe he's got to bide his time a little bit. CJ does. Um, until he gets back to, you know, laser show every week. I just think it speaks to how just insane the expectations are around Ohio State. Four weeks ago, all we were talking about is how, well, this running game, you don't know if they're going to be any good or not. <laughs> you know, it may be a struggle. It may They may struggle to get a yard or two when they need it. Now they're averaging eight yards a carry. And now the passing game is like not having 500 yards a game passing because the running backs are getting eight yards a carry. And now it's like, what about the passing game? When is it going to get better? Like, you can't have a thousand yards a game. You can't? No. No. Oh, it's not man. real life, people. This isn't Madden. And okay, okay. come on, America. I'm just asking you to be fair, okay? <laughs> come on, man. Ryan Day talked about that on Tuesday. The walking through the Blackwell and a fan walks up and says, what do we think? 63 to nothing today? And he's like, probably didn't get a first down. First, that's all <laughs> we're looking to do. But also that like in this building, there's like, that's the expectation. That's the standard that they have to win every single game and that they want to play perfect and that's not always going to happen and you shouldn't be dissatisfied to win by 39 against Rutgers or whatever happens on Saturday we expect that'll probably be a win over Michigan State but um, maybe it won't be a flawless clean game and then that doesn't mean that you spend two weeks getting ready for Iowa like is this team broken like I don't I don't think they're yeah (laughs) they're not broken is I was thinking about this earlier today uh, as I was thinking of things that we could maybe talk about on the Thursday uh, daily, which we didn't we didn't get to this, but I'll ask it now. Is what do you C- mean we didn't get to it? Today's Wednesday. Sorry, I predict that we will not get to it. Um, <laughs> is C.J. Stroud the most overanalyzed player that you think has been on this team since we've all been covering it? I th- I'm going to say off the top of my head, no, because I think that that is the nature. I understand what you're saying and why you're saying it, because he's probably the first one to go into a season since Braxton with reasonable, realistic expectations that he could win the Heisman Trophy. Braxton never really had to do that after the shoulder injury. But the quarterback position here is so scrutinized year in and year out. And JT had to do it for so long. I would say that oh yeah, That's... the collective amount of scrutiny on him and people who had opinions on both sides, like, was a crazy time. Yeah, I think JT Barrett was the most polarizing. For sure. Like, for a guy that everyone generally liked, like, it wasn't like anyone thought he was just a bad guy. Everyone liked him, but there was just that segment of, of fans were like, this guy should not be the quarterback, and despite the fact that he has, like, every single Ohio State record um, for, for quarterbacks. But uh, I think what's interesting is that you think about JT, like, he should have been the guy who, going into 2015, were like, oh, yeah, this is – you know, he finished third in the Heisman in 2014 as a redshirt freshman. 
but then he has the ankle injury. So you don't ha have those expectations. And then Cardell, and then like, it's just always been, and then, and then. So CJ, like this. But even, is, ju even Justin too, like was cruising for it. And then 2020 right. was weird. So yeah. this, this was the one time I think with CJ, what makes it feel different to me is that there were no like strange things that happened that caused the narrative to shift to something else. Like, mm -hmm. so this is like a clean look and saying, everything's perfect. Everything is set up for this to happen. Whereas those other years, again, Fields and after 2019, everyone sort of assumed he was going to be a Heisman finalist again and, and should win it in 2020. Um, and then COVID happened. And of course, Alabama never had COVID. So <laughs> Devontae, didn't, didn't exist. Devontae yeah. Smith got to win the Heisman that year because yeah. of it. So, uh, Bill, I think maybe your point is that the standard for CJ on a week in week basis has nobody else has had to deal with that. It feels impossible. To, to live up to sometimes like and I guess it's partly his fault because we've seen games where he goes like 17 for 18 <laughs> and it's like what are we watching right now but I, I just think sometimes like we almost examine him sort of like in this silo where like the, the play is a pure result of whatever he does and like even if you think back to the Rutgers game like he missed Emeka Ibuka on a third down crosser he got hit on the play. He couldn't fully, th and he missed Marvin Harrison down the sideline. He got hit on the play. Yeah. Like he couldn't, he can't step into those throws. And like it's fine. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to take the blame and place it elsewhere. I'm just saying. I think sometimes when we talk about CJ, we don't take the totality of the single play into account, and it's just like, oh, he missed that throw. And mistakes. I think quarterbacks just unique because we're not just comparing him. I'm. We watch Emeka Abuka and we're not going, yeah, but Chris Olave did this. Like <laughs> with the quarterback, we're like, but Dwayne did this and Justin did this. And so, like, why do we expect CJ to be the perfect amalgamation of every quarterback that's ever played here before? Like, he's his own guy mm -hmm. and you just have to stop comparing them. It's not even like they're being compared. It's like they're all being combined into this Voltron yeah, quarterback. I, I don't. Oh, I, I like that. The, the Ohio State Voltron. I don't. He is so unique that I, I don't see any value to compare his numbers his style any of that to justin fields definitely you know w yeah. when we went to see cj Stroud in california a few years ago you're like well he does look like Dwayne. he has some similarities like i don't think they play the game the same way i don't think they approach uh, approach it the same way rest in peace Dwayne. um but he, like he's obviously different than jt he's obviously different than braxton terrell Pryor, all these other guys yeah. and so i don't i don't even view it through that i've I am comparing him to C.J. Stroud from a year ago, and that's probably not fair. He's different, and the pieces around him are different. I am comparing him to, like, what would this look like if you were playing Alabama or Georgia or yeah. whoever in the playoff, and that's also perhaps not fair when you're five games into a season. You don't have Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. All of it is probably unfair, mm -hmm. but, like, that's also that's what you nature, sign up for. Yeah, that's yeah. the nature of being the quarterback at Ohio State. Yeah, I guess so. I just, like... So that's why that's not, he didn't come out tonight. Yeah, but, but honestly, probably <laughs> he's sick of us. That's, that's been that's yeah. largely been the line of questioning for him the last few weeks, and I'm not I'm not like accusing him of ducking questions, but I'd imagine it does get frustrating yeah. to play the way he's played all year, and the tenor of the conversation around you is like, why aren't you better? How many times can you answer it? I mean, he's already said it. We talked to him Saturday night after the game. That's that's funny. Let's talk. We'll talk to him Saturday at about eight o'clock in East Lance. Yeah, we after will. he throws six touchdowns. <laughs> Can't wait to get up there. First road trip coming, Ohio State at Michigan State. Make sure that everything is gassed up and ready to go, boys. Uh, it's almost that time. Uh, this has been Snappy Jays on a Wednesday at the Woody. That's Bill Burr. I'm Austin. We'll see you tomorrow for the Podcast Daily.